0: Coming to you loud and clear from Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Carl Christensen filling in again for Tom Clark. And as always, we're here to talk with you about what's new in healthy living, share some down-to-earth advice, and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. And as usual, Zorba, we have some great topics to
1: talk about. Yes, you know, we used to say you are what you eat, but in fact, it might be what you eat is based on your smartphone. We're going to talk about smartphone eating and obesity. And then we're going to talk about what's going on in cosmetics with PFAS. We're going to talk about all different sorts of cosmetics, and the fact that we really have to look at the FDA to say we need full disclosure on cosmetics because we really don't know what's in them because they are regulated differently from drugs. And it can say makes you beautiful, but does it also say does it contain PFAS?
0: Interesting. And what is our special listener-provided recipe? It's
1: a wonderful recipe. It is wonderful. It's a listener-sponsored recipe, and it's Claudia's gazpacho. It's a Claudia's summer gazpacho. I have been a love gazpacho. Have you ever eaten gazpacho? Just a few times and every time I like it. I got to taste that. It's wonderful in the summer. You can sort of think of it. I've had people, I make a really good gazpacho and this one is fantastic. And it's sort of almost like a summer salad in a meal. Instead of having a salad, you had ice cold gazpacho and you make it and it's delicious. And anyone who has never made gazpacho, this is the recipe for you. And if you have made gazpacho, you've got to try Claudius. It is dynamite.
0: is the number to call where you can leave a voicemail for the show anytime with your question for Dr. Zorba. And then stay tuned. You might just hear yourself on an upcoming episode of the show. That's 800-462-7413. And of course later in the show we'll hear from Chef Tom Clark in his mythical jewel-encrusted kitchen for the recipe (laughs) segment.
1: Jewel-encrusted. I love it. It just gets better every time we talk about it. Byzantine. It's a Byzantine jewel encrusted actually and people it's on the tourist route when you want to go to Monroe Street in Madison they go stop by this kitchen not to be believed
0: (laughs) all right let's kick things off here with a voicemail this is going to be actually two voicemails we're going to call this a Wisconsin double shot the first caller is from Wisconsin Rapids and then the caller after is from Middleton my question is I'm a transplant patient and I heard that getting the vaccination was not good for you. All right. Thanks.
1: I've been told by healthcare friends who said if you had had COVID-19, you don't need to get the vaccine because your body has built up the antibodies against it already. So do I need to get the vaccine if I've already more than likely had COVID? Thank you. You know, these are two great questions concerning the vaccine, and if I were to Dr. Anthony Fauci, I would say, way to go. Let's answer these. I'm not Dr. Fauci, but I am going to say, way to go. (laughs) Let's answer these. (laughs) So, first of all, let me answer the second question, which is if you've had COVID, do you need the vaccine? And the answer is yes. There's no doubt about it. Because we know you can get COVID and you can get COVID again and you can get COVID a third time. Because just like influenza, it doesn't mean that you're actually immunized. And we know the immunization is safe and effective. And we We also have no idea what level of antibodies you need. And we also have no idea if you've had COVID, how long those antibodies last because we don't have the studies. This is science and evolution. So the answer is, even though you had COVID, get the vaccine. It works. That's really, really important. And then in terms of the transplant patient, the answer is yes, you've got to be vaccinated too. It absolutely makes an important thing. Even though you're a transplant patient, you need to be vaccinated. Why? You are more likely to die if you get COVID. Why? Because you had a transplant. You're in a bunch of medications to make sure that you actually do not reject you know, the kidney or the heart or the lung or the liver, whatever you were transplanted with. Now, if you're a transplant person, the most important thing with this is to call your doctor and say, what do you recommend in terms of vaccine afterwards? Should I look at antibodies and see if I'm actually making antibodies? And the reason is I don't really know whether or not the anti-rejection drugs that are given with transplant interfere, interfere with the immune response. But that's where your transplant team is going to be able to give you the answer. But in both cases, obviously the answer is yes, get your vaccine if you're a transplant, and yes, get the vaccine even though you have COVID. And the third thing is, yes, everyone should get vaccinated. 800-462-7413. That's
0: 1-800-462-7413. That's the number to call. Let's keep those voicemails rolling in, Zorba. Here's a caller from San Antonio, Texas.
1: Hello. My question is about... Nails, fungus, what is the best trait to, uh, way to cure it without having um, pills or tablets because the stomach does not allow it? Thank you. The best way to treat it, there is a medication, I believe the name of it is Penlac, P-E-N-L-A-C. I'm not exactly sure if that's the medicine, but if you actually Google prescription nail polish, to get rid of fungus, kind of Google that, you'll actually get to the name brand of it. And I think there are a couple of generics out there too. And basically it is the antifungal medication, uh, which we actually give against funguses, put into a varnish that's what the british call it that's what they call nail polish put into a varnish that goes on top of your nails and it works it's very effective just as effective as the pills and basically you got to put it on all the time but the reality is you then don't have to worry about the side effects of an oral medication so there is an answer all the home remedies ah so so i've read a lot of home remedies i've never read the one home remedy actually does the trick 800-462-7413
0: is the number to call anytime to leave a message with a question for Dr. Zorba to answer. And we're going to get back to those voicemails in just a bit. But first, Zorba, let's get into our first topic. There's some new research out that shows
1: a link between weight gain and smartphone use. Yeah, so what do you think, Carol? Do you think people who look at smartphones all the time are heavier or thinner or neither. I don't know. I would say that's right. I would say I would have said neither had I not read this article. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you would think. You would think looking at a smartphone really doesn't make a difference. But this particular study looked at teens who spend two or more hours on their smartphone are more likely to eat processed foods, fewer fruits, fewer vegetables. And also if they spend three hours on their smartphone, they're much more likely to be overweight or obese. And the issue I think is really, really important. I mean, we have got to think about it. I mean, smartphones, you know, we're looking at information, they're keeping our mind going, we're doing, you know, for whatever reason, we all want to keep our mind going all the time. But the reality is, fingers are not a substitute for exercise. Right? Unless you're doing finger exercises. The, yeah, unless you're doing finger... <laughs> ex- <laughs> That's That's what that guitarists is, do a lot
0: with those little... That is things.
1: True. I don't know how many calories are in a click. <laughs> Probably one or half a one, you yeah. know, and we, you know, and, and the brain, of course, the brain takes 20% of our energy when we're just sitting around, and maybe it takes a little bit more when we're actually doing it. But I, But I think the issue, especially with this particular study when it came to teens, is... There's a very interesting button on the phone that many teenagers have never tried, and it's called off. (laughs) Push it, and the phone goes off. And then nobody bothers you, and you don't look at anything. And then a typical teenager will go through phone withdrawal. And phone withdrawal is probably just as bad as any other withdrawal. It doesn't feel good. But then you go outside and you do something. And I think this is a real issue. Teenage obesity is an issue. If you go on the net, if you say, give me an image of a typical teenager in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s 2020s you will see a linear relationship between weight and the reality is starting with the advent of computers and wide use of computers and starting then with the advent of phones we become heavier and heavier and heavier and this particular study showed the more you use the phone the more you're likely to have refined foods now guess how many calories are in a typical uh can of coke or mountain dew uh is it 250, 300, maybe? It's about 250, and some are up to 300. How yeah. many calories are in a Snickers? Uh, I'd say about 200. 210. 210 in every candy almost every candy bar Snickers Hershey's and the others are 210 I have no idea why they're 210 versus 200 so when you're drinking a can of coke you're drinking it's the same as having one and a half Snickers but you don't realize it because it's like delicious and you're drinking it but you're drinking a Snickers and the same thing happens with refined stuff if you go and look into a typical convenience store when you walk in it's filled with refined stuff which isn't good for us what this study shows the more you use the phone the more you either want the refined stuff, or you end up consuming the refined stuff. But in any case, parents have to learn how to say to their teens, how about using that off button on your phone? And then really, teens can be mentored by their parents. They also have to use the off button on their phone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not always easy to get them to do. Again, the number to call with your question is 800-462-7413. Let's get back to your voicemails. Let's hear now from a caller who this very far away from us here in Wisconsin. And Zorba, I know you're kind of not really into this trivia thing, but let's do, let's do a quick little trivia thing.
1: I'm into it because I <laughs> okay. fail all the time. But go ahead. Try it again. Go ahead. Okay.
0: Let's see if you can guess the country where this caller lives. Here are three fun facts, all right? This is uh, about this country. In this country, there are more sheep than people by a 10 to 1 ratio. Oh, New Zealand. Oh, no. Okay. You got it right away. I didn't even need to give you the other two facts. Come
1: on. I mean, that's where our lamb comes from. So it must be 10 to 1, you know. That's pretty good. I wonder wonder if the New Zealanders eat lamb.
0: Anyway, yes, New Zealand. (laughs) I'll give you the other facts since I I used ink to print them out. uh, This was the first country that gave women voting rights. Wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You used ink Well, you used used a laser printer?
0: The printer used ink. So I figure I don't want to waste this paper and ink. So I'm just going to give these facts and and people are going to love hearing Mm -hmm. it, I bet. Okay. So first country to, uh, to give uh, women voting rights, that was in 1893. That one surprised me. Wow. Also, this is the last country in the world to be inhabited by humans.
1: Oh. What
0: huh. was it again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 All right. right, let's. <laughs> this is pretty far away showing, from us. This is the showing, furthest call we've had. Showing that New Zealand is in the middle of nowhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's hear from this caller in New Zealand.
1: I was very interested also on the information on about shingles, injections. And um, I want to know, is there a particular age group that is vulnerable to get shingles? Um, I am 77 years of age, and um, I'd like to know if, there, if I should get one or not. Thank you. The older you get, the more likely you are to get shingles. Why? Because, first of all, you got to have chickenpox in order to get shingles. So for youngins, people born in the last 25, 30 years who got immunized, uh, they're not going to get shingles because they were, at least in the U.S., because they were immunized against varicella, which is chickenpox. You can get it any age. Uh, my daughter, for instance, one of my daughters had it like in her 30s, and it's when your immunity drops, the virus that is living in the dorsal root ganglia, that's part of the central nervous system, wears its ugly head and bangs out the nerve, and the nerve then encrusts over with actually the virus, and that's what shingles is. It's really a nerve that actually has the virus sitting in there waiting, waiting, waiting from the time that it can erupt. So the older you get, the more likely it is that your immunity is going to drop. It probably also has to do with how strong your immune response was when you first got chickenpox, which brings me back to the whole COVID issue. Some people get shingles, some don't. So the ones who don't probably had more antibodies to the chickenpox virus. So I recommend everyone, whether they've had shingles or not, get immunized. And the GSK, GlaxoSmithKline shingle shot is better than the Merck. That's a two-shotter, and it's about 95% effective. The Merck one, which has been out for about 20 years, is about 60% effective. And in New Zealand, my guess is they have access to one or the other. So my advice to you, sir, is yes, get your shingle shot. Eight hundred
0: four. And eat 60- lamb.
1: Oh. Eat lamb. That's also. <laughs>
0: there's, there's a lot rare. of them, right?
1: I love lamb. Do you love
0: lamb? <laughs> uh it's okay. I don't think it's my favorite thing, but I'll, um, eat, I'll eat it.
1: Rack of lamb. Oh, rack of lamb that's done really rare or medium rare or just the right cut lamb chop. Oh, it's like it just makes. I just love it. I just love it. But here, lamb is really expensive. My guess is New Zealand is lamb's pretty
0: cheap. It's got to be. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we take a break, Zorba, let's check in again with your favorite nitpickers, the Grammar Police. Oh no, it's the grammar police. And actually, Zorba, this is going to be a Grammar Police double shot. First <laughs> up, yeah, Jeez. you'll always love a good double shot. First up, we're going to hear from the Glass Police. Kind of a fragile bunch. This is, uh, this is a listener named Kathy from Onalaska, Wisconsin. You've been waiting,
1: you've been waiting to use that joke for years. That I is just know that.
0: printer ink well spent right there. Uh, a listener named Kathy in Onalaska, Wisconsin sent the following email. Dr. Zorba, I'm so excited to have finally noticed something on your show that I can critique. During the recipe segment, you noted that roasted peppers can be purchased in a bottle at the grocery store. I think you may have meant to say a jar. According to Merriam Webster, a bottle is, quote, a rigid container having a narrow neck, unquote. Oh, gee, oh, Here we go. Yeah, we're going to the, go. the dictionary on God, this. God, oh, God. A jar is, quote, a rigid container having a wide mouth and often no neck, unquote. <laughs> Good luck getting roasted peppers out of a bottle, Zorba. <laughs> Thank you for tolerating your impertinent (laughs) listeners. I'm sure all comments are made in love and admiration. Thanks, Kathy.
1: Now, it's funny. (laughs) I think of a jar as being bigger. But, of course, obviously, obviously, I don't know my definitions very well. But, you know, that's why we have Grammar Police, to teach us the right way to say things. So (laughs) There you go. All
0: right. That's part one of our double shot. Finally Zorba, we don't often hear from this particular faction of the grammar police. So get ready Zorba, you're about to get nailed by the hammer police. The hammer. Have a time. The hammer police. <laughs> 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 I apologize. I should have apologized in advance for that one, right no, there. No, no, I
1: think it's great. I love it. I <laughs> okay. love it. All right. Where did the voice? Where did the voice? Was that your voice?
0: I got a guy. who I hire just for these things. Who has a really low voice? He yeah, right. The Oakridge Boys. Right. Remember them. Yeah, we blew the whole budget on that one right. little bit right there. We got one of the Oak Ridge boys in. Uh, all right. This infraction came from Mark in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, who's talking about a recent discussion we had about carpal tunnel being caused by using a hammer with a steel shaft. Do you remember that? That was, uh, that was a well, little I do. while ago. Yep. I do. All right. Mark writes, Zorba, the carpal tunnel issue is not lessened as the wood handled hammer weighs less. It is because wood dampens the shock vibration better. Oh. Steel transmits the oh. impulses much better huh. in putting these impulses into the carpenter's hand. A fiberglass handle would also be safer than a steel handle.
1: Very interesting. You know, I, I've never I've never thought about that. The fact that steel would transmit the force differently than a wood handle or a fiberglass handle. That is really, really interesting. And I'll tell you something. I've got uh, osteoarthritis in my wrists and stuff like that. And I've got a mallet that I use periodically. And it's got a wooden handle. Mm-hmm. And But the hammer I have that I use around the house has a steel handle. I'm uh-huh. going to get rid of that. And I'm going to get one with a wooden handle. And I bet it will feel better in my hands. Thank you for that. I'm going to carry that tip along. Great tip. And you know what? From a grammar police point of view, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this did double duty because they also gave better information for all of us. (laughs) We love
0: the grammar police, especially we uh, we love getting hammer tips. My hands are
1: over my heart thinking. Can you see them (laughs) over my heart thinking of the grammar police?
0: Do you think Zorba didn't quite hit the nail on the head? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email
1: at Zorba at WPR dot org.
0: More of your calls to come, more emails as well. And Zorba will be dropping into Tom Clark's lovely kitchen where they will be cooking up a special listener recipe. All that is coming up on Zorba Pastor on your health from PRX. christensen filling in for tom clark on zorba pastor on your health now look we know you tune into this show to hear zorba's healthy living advice but you also show up with an empty stomach and an open mind to see what culinary guru tom clark is cooking up from his unparalleled menu so let's head over to tom's kitchen where he and zorba are working on a tasty listener provided recipe for claudia's summer gazpacho Earl, thank you very much I can't use my, my microwave for this, I guess. But we'll,
1: we'll go through it anyway. <laughs> um, this doesn't use a microwave. Now, I've got a question for you. Have you ever had gazpacho? Um, no. It's very good. Now, you know, the winter time. did your mother ever serve you like tomato soup? She should have because that's really something easy. I mean, that was easy. My mother always made tomato soup, but she gave it to me like in the wintertime and I would have it like with toasted cheese sandwiches. But the thing about gazpacho, and there are a lot of different recipes for gazpacho, and it's really a way to use summer vegetables. And, and when we think of soup, we think of something hot, but this is something cold and it's perfect for those hot summer days. Right. This is a wonderful soup. So you ought to consider this. Yeah, okay. let's let's put it together. Okay, so uh, start out with a bell pepper. Pepper. Uh, Claudia uses a yellow bell pepper, which is really a great idea because visually a yellow bell pepper would look really good. So one yellow bell pepper. One yellow bell pepper. A handful of basil leaves, about six to seven basil leaves. Handful of basil leaves. A half a jalapeno seeded. Now, if you want it hot, keep the seeds in. If you want it not hot, take the seeds out. Let's uh, keep the seeds in. That's a half of. A jalapeno seed. That's right. So you like hot food? I do. Um mm-hmm. a cucumber peeled cut into chunks. Cucumber peeled and cut into chunks. One white sweet onion cut into quarters. One white sweet onion cut into quarters. A couple of cloves of garlic. A couple of cloves garlic. A cup of water. A cup of water. Two tablespoonfuls of extra virgin olive oil. Two big tea, extra virgin olive oil. Two tablespoonfuls of white vinegar. Do not use balsamic. Two big tea, white vinegar. Four to five ripe tomatoes, cut in halves. And I would I would use tomatoes that have a bit of chunkiness to them, like a big boy or maybe a beefsteak tomato. But four to five ripe tomatoes. Four to five ripe tomatoes, cut in halves. Some sea, sea salt and pepper to taste. Sea salt, pepper to taste. Let's make the recipe. Combine all the ingredients except the tomatoes in a blender and put it on chop. Then add the tomatoes and just pulse until it gets to the desired consistency. If you like it chunkier, pulse it just a little bit. Season with salt and pepper. Storing the refrigerator overnight, very important. So everything can blend together and it can be served hot or cold. It sounds delicious. And if you've never used gazpacho, this is your time to try it. It's Claudia's Summer Gazpacho.
0: Now, Mazurba, in your recipes, I always found one or two or three things that I can't stand. But Claudia's Summer Gazpacho Looks really, really good to me. And I like all of that stuff that's in there.
1: So in other, in other words, this has met the Tom Clark Award for a recipe that we can <laughs> all make because you like it. You know what? Going through the shows of what you like and what you don't like, I am really pleased that you like everything in this recipe. That is awesome. And I bet Claudia will be very happy when she hears this too. Yeah, and Claudia, I'm, the next
0: time Zorba's over here, I'm going to make that recipe.
1: Oh, Zor- unbelievable. That means it's a starred <laughs> recipe. Well, you know what, folks? If you were not able to actually get write everything down because you might be in your car or you just don't yeah. write everything down, I bet you can come to our website, Zorbapasture.org, and find this recipe and other fine recipes. And also, you can see picture Tom, picture me picture of the whole world. That's at ZorbaPastor.org. And of course, you can find us through Facebook. We'll see you next week, Zorba. And Carl, thank you so much. We
0: turn it back over to you. All right. Thanks, Tom. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime to leave a question for Zorba. Back to those voicemails now. Here's a listener with a question about something I hadn't heard of before lipogranulinoma gland cyst. And Zorba, I'm sure you'll clear this one up. This is a caller in New Jersey.
1: Hello, I got a question about, um, I don't have your insurance, and yesterday, I went to the hospital and they did a a CT scan of the left eye and found out I had a a left uh, lacrimal gland cyst. I want to find out, is there a way to shrink the cyst or is there a non-invasive way to do it surgically to take out the cysts. Thank you so much. I love your show. Bye. You know, the, the problem with many cysts is that uh, they're often, the only way to get rid of them often is through surgery. Now, for some cysts, they actually will improve with warm, moist compress. And you could try that for maybe 10 days or so and see if it makes a difference. Uh, But it's probably not going to make a difference. And the reason is a lot of the cysts basically have a membrane around them that basically is keeping them from being absorbed back into the body. And that's why they occurred in the first place is because the little sac formed and then material formed in the sac to expand it. So the answer is you probably need surgery to actually affect this cyst. And, that's the, and that's, the bottom, that's the bottom line answer. It's not infected, so an antibiotic is not going to work. And once again, you can always try warm compresses on any particular cyst for like twice a day, three times a day to see whether or not they'll resolve. And if they don't resolve and they're bothersome, the answer is surgery. And real quick, just to
0: follow up on that, Zorba, I think the caller mentioned not having insurance. Is there any tips you as a doctor could maybe give her about if she has to do this surgery and she's dealing with no insurance, is there anything that would, any advice that would help her through that?
1: Well, the the, the first thing is, does it have to be done? In other words, if it's not, if it's something that's elective surgery and doesn't have to be done, some people put it off until they actually have a job that has benefits, or they go to the marketplace, to the Obamacare marketplace, and they actually get insurance. That's kind of the way that often you have to treat it. Sometimes it's actually cheaper to go to the marketplace by insurance, and that might actually be cheaper than actually having the surgery. But there's another thing that's involved too. Many hospitals and many clinics actually have surgery. Actually, have surgical procedures that they will do, and they will either do all gratis, they will do free of charge, or they will look at medical assistance. So I would contact the doctor's office, or if it's at a hospital, the hospital and say, look, I don't have any insurance. How can you help me? And there are surprising ways that they actually respond to that. So the answer is there's somebody at the hospital, there's somebody at the clinic in the doctor's office who may be able to help you actually get that done with minimal or no charge. That is much more common than people realize. I want to add something to that that's very interesting, sure, so years ago we're talking about a long time ago. I had a friend of a friend and he was a drummer, and he needed to have surgery and It was a urological procedure and so there was a urologist who I used uh not in the in the particular clinic that I am. this is when I was independent uh in another clinic and uh I Wrote a letter to him, wrote an email to him and said, look, this person doesn't have any money. So would you consider doing this without charging him? And he wrote me back, no, I'm sorry. I charge everyone. And so at that point I thought, Really, you're charging everyone? How often do you get asked for this? And I thought I'm never referring to this guy again, hmm. and so which I never did. And so I then called up another uro- another urologist rather, and I said, "This guy doesn't have any money." He said, "Oh, doesn't have any money? Oh, don't worry about it. I'll just do it. I'm not going to charge him. I really like doing that." And that's the person who I really became friends with over time. So it's important, even if you get an initial no. You might get a yes somewhere else. And if one doctor says they can't do it or one hospital, shop around because there may be another hospital, another clinic, another, uh, you know, another organization or a doctor in your area that may say, look, I do certain things without charging. We'll give this to you. So don't stop at no. Start at no and look for others.
0: That's great advice. 800-462-7413 is the number to call. Leave a voicemail any time of the day for Dr. Zorba. And Zorba, as you know, we get so many questions from our wonderful listeners, but we also get calls from listeners who just want to share a comment or a health tip. So it's time again for that segment we call Caller Comments. This is a bunch of caller comments. People calling us with their health tips. Yes, we do. We do appreciate it. First we do. up We yeah. do all the time. We love it. First, the good up, ones and
1: the bad ones. Seriously. <laughs> no. But we the listen bad to ones all get them. us to improve. They're manna. Right. Somebody once said to me, when you get complaints, they look at them as manna from heaven. It gives you a chance to turn around and make things better. Right.
0: First absorber, let's hear from a caller in New York City.
1: Last week we're they were discussing about um Mediterranean. Food and where to get reasonable vegetables. You can go in your local um, supermarket. Usually, they have a little corner with hasdo or very ripe uh, vegetables that you can get and enjoy your Mediterranean meals. Also, some ethnic supermarkets. You can have a great variety of vegetables from around the world. Thank you very much. You know, she brings up two excellent points. So, first of all, you look at overripe vegetables and. Pick And fruits, pick them out and then eat them today. And they're often, you I'm sure you've noticed that in the grocery store, have you? Or- just
0: the other day, yeah, we brought home some, some apples that were, you know, organic apples and they had probably a day left and they were, you know, about 80% off or so. Oh, that's and it. You just eat and them right away.
1: And as far as ethnic grocery stores, I was just in Boston with my son, Eli, and his wife, Shah. And every Saturday, they go to the Chinese grocery store in one of the suburbs, not in the middle of downtown Boston. I can't remember. I think it was Quincy. That's right. So they went to a Chinese grocery store in Quincy. You cannot believe the difference in price in the vegetables in the Chinese grocery store. It was like 30 or 40% less. And so once a week, they stock up on fruits and vegetables. Um, Which is really kind of neat, and then it's very interesting. They bought a big bowl, very large bowl. I don't know what the size is, and uh, they filled the they filled the fruits in their kitchen in this bowl, and they call it the fruit challenge. So (laughs) by the end of the week, they're challenged to finish all the fruit, and that's how they're eating more fruit. I like that. There's an interesting concept. I might try that. You know what? It's a fruit challenge. You put it outside, you put it in a fruit bowl, and you say we got to get this done by the end of the week. And you know what? You eat more fruit because you don't want to waste it. It's also right in front of your face. You don't have to open the refrigerator, look for a piece of fruit. You kind of see it as you're walking by. And they said they have increased their food intake dramatically by doing that.
0: That sounds great. That might help get my six-year-old son to eat more fruits and vegetables if oh, you I've just six- assign I, like
1: a challenge I, I, or a I, game I, to it. I, I got to tell you something about 6 year Do you go shopping with him at the grocery store ever? Sometimes, yes. Go shopping with him and have him pick out the fruits. That's a good and idea. And then put out the bowl. And he's going to weigh in and make sure that he eats the fruits that he picked out. Because then he's got, he's got skin in the game. That's right.
0: <laughs> All right. Finally, Zorba, here is a caller in Missouri. I just listened to you guys talking about the difference between millennials' health and Gen Xers and baby boomers. One thing I think you missed on this commentary was the fact of processed food. Baby boomers really didn't grow up with processed food, whereas Gen Xers and millennials' processed food was probably the norm in the household. I just thought I'd add that
1: to the discussion. Thank you. He is so right. He is so right. Now, I I have to admit, We had Hostess cream-filled cupcakes and we had Twinkies. (laughs) Are those processed foods? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. And the Twinkie that I probably bought in 1959 would probably be just as fresh today if I hadn't actually consumed it. But he's right. We didn't have processed foods. I mean, you know, the most processed foods I probably had was Campbell's cream of mushroom soup. But the reality is we didn't have the processed foods. And so we didn't grow up with them. So we don't necessarily have a taste for them. And... Good, good point. What you grow up with may be essentially what you end up eating more of.
0: 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. And before the break, Zorba, I hope you remember to pick up your black robe from the dry cleaners. Time again to do the segment where Dr. Zorba trades in his white doctor's coat for a judicial gown. This is Judge Zorba. All right, Zorba, this case comes from Mark in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, who writes, Dr. Pastor, can you help settle a disagreement between me and some of my friends? I commented that for the past year and a half, while we've been wearing masks, social distancing and hand washing, I have not caught a cold, flu or anything else for that matter. I rather like not being sick. And I said that regardless of the CDC guidelines, I may continue to wear a mask in certain situations. Some of my friends are trying to convince me that doing so is not good for my health. In other words, to remain healthy for the long term, I need to get sick and build antibodies. (laughs) Mark continues. (laughs) I
1: I like when a judge laughs. I like when the judge breaks out in laughter. i I, I, got to tell you something. (laughs) That would be analogous to, to keep from getting gonorrhea, you should get gonorrhea. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll, I'll finish Mark's email later.
0: Mark says... I'd like to call BS on that notion, given that mask wearing in public in other societies is commonplace. Am I way off base or should I just suck it up and look forward to my yearly bouts of bronchitis?
1: Absolutely. You know something, he is right on the mark. And the reality is there was hardly any influenza around this year. And there were hardly any influenza deaths around this year because we were socially distancing and wearing masks. And in Asian countries, we often wear masks, especially during the wintertime, during influenza. And Frankly, when I go shopping in the wintertime and I go to the grocery store next year during influenza season, I'm wearing a mask now will I wear a mask all the time? I'm not sure I'm going to be robust enough to wear a mask all the time. But the answer is, if you're in situations where you're going to be around other people, there's no reason not to wear a mask if you're comfortable doing that. And frankly, that's one of the things we're actually going to see forth from this uh, pandemic, is we are going to see more people wearing masks around influenza season. And I project that influenza and influenza deaths are going to go down as a result of that, because they certainly are down in Asia where People commonly wear masks when they're sick or they're going to be around other environments. So, yeah, you're on the money. You're right. Your friends are wrong. Do you need Judge Zorba to help settle a case?
0: Just post your question on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at
1: WPR.org.
0: More of your calls are coming up. We have another thought-provoking topic to discuss. And Zorba will be answering more listener emails, all coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor On Your Health. 800-462-7413 is the number to call where anytime you can leave a voicemail for Dr. Zorba. Stay tuned. You might just hear yourself on the show. But before we hear from more of our listeners, Zorba... What are forever chemicals and why are they commonly found in
1: cosmetics? Right. They're in cosmetics. So PFAS and fluorine are basically chemicals that are used in cosmetics to make them stable. You know, make them stable. So lipstick, mascara, foundation, these are manufactured products for beauty. They're beauty products. And you know, when you walk in the drugstore, what's the first thing you see, Carl? On the right hand aisle when you walk into any drugstore? Is it the makeup aisle? Yeah, it's cosmetics. Why do you think that is? Because they make the most money from it. You know, Uh buy a little container of lipstick. The pharmacy makes a lot of money in the cosmetics. And they use these chemicals in there. Now, the FDA has said you're supposed to disclose the chemicals that are in there, but there are lots of loopholes. So they don't have to disclose whether or not PFAS and fluorine are in there. And these are chemicals that are thought by the American Chemical Society and others to possibly be cancer-related so here it is you're putting on lipstick is there a risk of cancer you should know that when you're buying your particular you know whatever cosmetic you want to buy but they don't have to disclose it Hmm. i think that's really i think that's really terrible so i've got a question does your wife use any cosmetics
0: she does yes
1: don't you think she'd like to be able to look on the label and see whether or not it has something in there that might be detrimental
0: Yes, she does, and I told her about this study yesterday. Actually, when I when I found what it, what she saying she was she was very surprised, and now she's going to be, I think, reassessing all of her makeup. Well,
1: the, the reality is, it's just like trans fats. I mean, trans fats. Things have, you know, are now labeled no trans fats. Things were labeled no cholesterol. Things are labeled, you know, other things are labeled fragrance free. We ought to do something with cosmetics, and uh, and the FDA doesn't do it. And a lot of this has to do with lobbying. Who do you think lobbies? not to get that on the label. Uh, Big Lipstick. (laughs) Big lipstick. That's exactly right. And these are major companies. You know, Revlon used to have 40% of the market years ago. Now they're down to 5%. But if we look at Clinique and other brands that are on there. So they're standing in the way of having their cosmetics labeled with stuff on it. I think it's important for the federal government and the FDA to step in and say, look, if it's got PFAS, if it has fluorine, you've got to label it. Because frankly, once they label it, just like trans fats, they'll figure out a way to get it out of the system to make cosmetics safer. And you want to look good, feel good, and stay safe. 800 462 7413.
0: That's 1 800 462 7413. Number to call. Leave a voicemail anytime for Dr. Zorba. Let's get back to more of those voicemails. Here's one from a caller in Spokane, Washington.
1: My question is about the sodium issue. Um, We keep hearing, and, you know, I've always heard, uh, get the sodium out of the diet, um, and I know it's very important for most people. My question is about people like me who need more sodium in their diet, uh, supposedly, because I can't keep enough sodium, can't keep my sodium levels within
0: normal uh, range. They're always a little bit lower because of medication, that I take the three medications for uh, trigeminal uh, and glossopharyngeal neuralgia. Um, I've had it for years, and um, with blood work, sodium is always low. So if you could address that, I never hear it addressed anywhere else. Thank
1: you. So there are a couple of things that are kind of important here. So first of all, when we draw normals for sodium and potassium, this is a bell-shaped curve. So some people are a little bit lower than, quote, the normal. Some people are a little bit higher than, quote, the normal. And it doesn't mean that their health is suffering at all. So let's say the normal for sodium in your particular lab is 132, common number. And let's say you're at 128. That's perfectly fine. And diuretics, for instance, when people take it, will often have a sodium that a little low. Now, if your sodium is 110, that becomes a very, very different issue because then you can be symptomatic. The other issue is most people get more than enough sodium. We need like maybe a teaspoon of salt a day. That's about all we need. And most people get much, much more than that during that. So talking about sodium, because the less sodium you have, Frankly, the easier it is for your kidneys to work is really important. But there are specific instances if you're taking a medication like a diuretic, or which she may be taking for her trigeminal neuralgia or an anticonvulsant, which is commonly used for trigeminal neuralgia, and your sodium is low. If it's too low and symptomatic, then you have to take it. That's the exception to rule. And that's why it's always important to say, if you've got a lower number, ask your doctor, what does this mean? Some people run low and are fine. Other people want really low, and they're not fine. And then the other issues, often the way that we actually elevate sodium in the body is by restricting water. Because when we restrict water, we then our body then goes into its natural way of actually improving sodium. And there's some drugs that cause something called SIADH, syndrome of inappropriate ADH. And they're the people who often have uh, a distorted electrolyte. And the way we treat that is actually by limiting water, not by adding sodium.
0: 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime. Leave a message for Dr. Zorba. And all right, Zorba, let me me locate my Slim Jim so we can jimmy open the Zorba Pastor (laughs) on Your Health inbox. We're going to take a listener email here. This is from Alan in Maryville, Tennessee, who says, Dr. Zorba, why do drug companies spend so much money on advertising for prescription drugs? Shouldn't a doctor prescribe the most appropriate medicine regardless of the ignorant patient requests?
1: Well, I got to tell you something. Some patient requests are not ignorant, uh, not, not at all. But why do you think, Carl, that drug companies are spending so much money advertising? We're talking about probably $5 billion a year, I bet, 3 to $5 billion, maybe a little bit more. Why would you guess they do that?
0: Uh, just to sell their drugs, do of business. Of course.
1: <laughs> Why else would they do it? Now, the other thing is, we used to have certainly in our area uh, in Madison, we don't have drug detail people. But back in the day when I first started, we would have maybe. On a particular week, we would have like five, somewhere between five and 10 drug people who would come in the office and just try to catch our ear for maybe maybe three minutes, two minutes, the elevator pitch, less than a minute. And they'd say, hey, doc, let me show you the new antibiotic. It really works. Why don't you put it on your sample shelf? Well, once they put it on the sample shelf, we were more likely to prescribe it. And once we were more likely to prescribe it, the drug company was more likely to make money. And the drug salesman actually got a cut of that. And they are drug salesmen still in a lot of states uh, in the country, a lot of places in the country who still do that, especially in the south in Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. A lot of doctors' offices have five to ten drug salesmen, and they may advertise to the public, but they also advertise to the doctors, the PAs, and the nurse practitioners. And you know what? Advertising. Works.
0: Do you have a question for the good doc? Just post it on our Facebook page or send us an email at zorbawpr.org. 800 462 7413 is the number to call. Let's hear now from a caller in Oklahoma.
1: I don't care anything about television or computers, and all my kids are really into the gaming, all these games, and they tell me that I'm I'll be 81 this year, and they tell me that I'm—my mind (laughs) is—I'm more likely to get dementia if I don't start playing games. I'd rather read a real good murder mystery. I read about a book a day, and I like them a lot better than I do, the. or else I do a lot of crossword puzzles or word-find puzzles. (sighs) Are those as good for your brain health as these? games that the kids are all playing thank you bye-bye i think those are much better for your brain crossword puzzles we have to think about the word and reading a book a day oh my goodness a book a day i wish i i mean i don't read anywhere near a book a day how long does it take you to read a book if you decide to read a book carl
0: <laughs> you're asking the wrong person on that uh, <laughs> obviously you are
1: not a book reader how about your wife does she read books
0: she, before kids, yes, we, she oh, read a lot. BC and yeah. AC. BC, yeah, exactly. Yeah, B-C. she did used to read quite a bit. But uh, <laughs> honestly, I don't know how long it took her.
1: But I mean, read a book a day, that is a lot. So the answer is reading crossword puzzles anything that keeps your mind active is actually good for brain health you don't have to do video games and computer brain games to keep your brain healthy and in fact i would think that books and imagination are actually far better because we know that for intimate and childhood health and we know for iq development that reading is really the most important thing you can do because it produces imagination and whatever that does that is far 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 the best thing to keep that brain stimulated so read those books trust the games. <laughs> I have
0: heard though, I got to say Zorba. I've heard about senior centers and nursing yeah. homes using actually, you know, video game console systems like the Wii you know where you can do like active like bowling oh, sure. or Wii sports yeah. just uh, for fitness and also for um, for helping you know combat dementia and other memory yeah, issues.
1: I think that I think they definitely have a place. I and I and I don't think video games. So I think they definitely have a place. And then you have to pick what you actually like. Right. I mean, I wasn't brought up with video games. You were brought up with video games, and there's a difference because video games just don't interest me because I never did them as kids, probably and. Did you play video games when you were younger?
0: I did. I was, yeah, I grew up with like the first Nintendo, even before that, the Atari system. Oh, Atari. Yeah, I remember that. Had the fake wood paneling on it. That was pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Atari.
1: (laughs) Do you you remember the first thing which which was Ping? Pong? I remember Pong. It was one, it was like, it was like a little, (laughs) it was a computer screen. I remember (laughs) how great it was. It was a little dot that went from one part of the screen to the other part of the screen. Right, back back and forth. forth.
0: A rectangle hits a little square, (laughs) back and forth.
1: That's it. That was was as good as the computer memory would allow. And I thought it was fabulous.
0: You had to use your (laughs) imagination to fill in what what other graphics were there. (laughs) Bouncing
1: babies. Do you ever do bouncing babies?
0: I don't know what that is.
1: Oh, bouncing, bouncing babies. Were, uh, they were babies that came out of a little building and you had to catch them before they made it to the ground wow <laughs> this is a game <laughs> <laughs> It was a game. It's no longer a game. Okay, yeah. It's probably <laughs> not around anymore. <laughs> right.
0: Moving right along. 800-462. It would bounce two- on the
1: ground. They didn't actually crash. <laughs> okay. They bounced. You had to keep them from bouncing on the ground. I want to be specific for bouncing Babies because I know that the video game police are going to certainly send a message. <laughs>
0: And before we head out today, Zorba... We love when our listeners chime in and drop some knowledge or lend their expertise to the show. The following listener tip came from Alexis in Spokane, Washington. And just a little background here, on a recent show somebody mentioned putting groats in their oatmeal. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. I yep. do. By the way, I actually was wondering, do you think oatmeal pitchman Wilford Brimley has ever put groats <laughs> in his oatmeal? I bet he was just straight oatmeal. No messing around. <laughs> sure he was. Sure he no was. messing around with him. Anyways, it sparked a discussion about what What exactly groats are? So Alexis in Spokane dropped some groat knowledge on us in an email that had the subject line, I've got your (laughs) groat. Alexis writes, a groat, Dr. Pastor, is the whole grain or seed body that has been minimally processed, hulled, but still containing the germ, fiber, And endosperm, all the good stuff, basically, it can apply to lots of grains, not just oats or buckwheat. Alexis continues, Mm -hmm. buckwheat, by the way, is not a grain. It's technically a pseudo cereal, the seed of a plant in the rhubarb Uh, family. Really? But it's treated like a grain, much like quinoa or amaranth. Uh-huh. So only plant nerds like me care. <laughs> oh,
1: you know, so that's really, really interesting. So buckwheat is not a grain. I learned that. It's a pseudo cereal. And groat can be really from anything that has that follows that particular thing. And the only thing I've ever... I've ever had basically our buckwheat groats because I grew up with it. It was a dish called kasha and Mm -hmm. kasha was like an Eastern European dish that was made with buckwheat groats uh, and then also some uh, pasta that would be in there and then chopped up peppers and stuff. And if you look at buckwheat groats in the store in the package, they have a recipe and I made it, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago. First, I made it wrong. Then I made it right. I made it when it it, it didn't have the right texture. And, you know, like anything else, you got to experiment a couple of times. And it was really good good. And it felt like a whole grain. And anyone who has not tried buckwheat groats who likes a whole grain should try it. But thank you. Thank you for yeah. educating us. I've got your groats. You, the seed you, police. <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, you know something? There are people out there with knowledge yet to be discovered by public radio nerds like us.
0: That's right. And I don't want to waste this printer ink. So I'm just going to tell this joke as well. I was thinking about, you know, creative groat recipe book maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe Stevie Maybe nicks made the book and maybe it's mm-hmm. called you could groat your own way
1: <laughs> should have should have left catchy, that on the paper catchy right? catchy title <laughs> maybe it'll sell
0: do you <laughs> yeah, right. do you have some expertise to add to our show hit us up by posting on our facebook page or by sending us an email at zorba at wpr dot Stay well, Zorba. Stay well, Carl. If you missed anything during the show or you just want to download our show podcast, visit us on the web at ZorbaPastor.org and of course through Facebook. And don't forget you can call us anytime to leave us your question at 800-462-7413. And please do visit the Zorba Pastor on your health Facebook page for Zorba's frequent coronavirus updates. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It is not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidrin. For Zorba Pastor and Tom Clark, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health.
1: Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's Healthy Living Articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.